Our gracious God, we know that every word you speak is helpful for us to hear. You teach us, you rebuke us, you correct us, you train us to be useful to you. And so we pray that tonight you will speak to us and do all those things. And we pray that you will give us ears to hear and to listen and to live as your children. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Only two verses. Acts chapter 4, verse 36. Well, look, let's tell you what. To make it uh, more money's worth, let's pick up at verse 32. And uh, that gives us a little bit more. Acts chapter 4, verse 32. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. Thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sowed a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. The children have gone and we can then ask ourselves the question, what is the secret to progress? And it's a question that is always good to ask because progress is good. And therefore, in the last three weeks or so, we've had two leading characters going up and down the country telling us how we should make progress. You might have come across them before, but they look something like that. Uh, Mr. Boris Johnson and Mr. Jeremy Hunt have been telling the country how under them there would be progress. Good for a country to have progress. But how would a Christian make progress? What would uh, help us to go forwards? Now you might find yourself, I find myself again and again saying, God, please don't let me stay where I am. Please don't let me stagnate. Please don't let me just settle in the Christianity that I'm in right now. Keep me growing. Keep me making progress. Whatever you do, please keep me moving forward. That's a good prayer. And we want to how, wonder how God might answer the prayer. And one of the ways in which he can answer that prayer is to put in front of us people who are making progress, that we can become like them. Now again, uh, there are two men up and down the country, but our church has been looking at the Acts of the Apostles, and the two big men in Acts of the Apostles are the Apostles Peter and Paul, and they have been telling us how they've made progress with the Gospel right across the world. 
But we might think, we don't play in that league. We need the little people. So let's look at the little people. We're going to look at Barnabas tonight, see how he made progress. And next week we'll look at Mark and we'll see how he made progress. And we're going to be looking at those two men and seeing what progress that uh, we might make uh, Barnabas and Mark. Tonight we're looking at Barnabas and two things to learn about him. He is the encourager and he is the listener. First, let's look at him as the encourager. His real name, you can see it introduced to us in Acts chapter 4 verse 36. His real name is Joseph. It's the only time you get to know his real name because all the time they call him by his nickname, which is Barnabas. And often nicknames tell us more about somebody than the real name. So, for example, in English we call someone lanky. And that means that he's someone tall. You wouldn't want to call Kenny lanky, but if he's got someone who's a, a, a Zach in the church, you might say, well, the description will fit him. We'll make that his nickname. Or we could say uh, someone is baldy. Uh, now, we don't want to say that to Rob because uh, that's not the case. Uh, but watch George. <laughs> and, uh, see, and see the prophecy come true. Okay? So you get people that nicknames can describe. Nicknames can describe the work they do. So someone might be a sparky, in which case they would be an electrician. Or if you call someone a chippy, a carpenter. Nicknames describe. Nicknames can describe ability. Uh, if you call someone an egghead, they've got the ability to think. Um, there are other descriptions I won't say. Um, and in Barnabas, it's a description of his character. He is called the son of encouragement. That's his character. It's like people are saying to him, you're the son of encouragement. Your dad must have been called encouragement because you're encouraging people all the time. And we want to learn how we can be sons and daughters of encouragement. Whatever our dads were like, it may be that Barnabas did grow up with an encouraging dad, but ultimately if God was his dad and God is encouragement, then anyone who has God as their dad, as their Heavenly Father, can grow in encouragement as sons and daughters of encouragement. And we want to learn how God and his character shaped Barnabas so that the father can shape us the same way as his children. Okay? So, sign of encouragement, lesson one. He does it with actions. Now, it's interesting, isn't it? Normally, when we say this person is encouraging, we normally think of someone who says words that are encouraging. Barnabas did actions that were encouraging. He had some land, which in those days meant big-time security. Your inheritance was there in the land that you possessed and occupied. 
But now his security is in his father. And so rather than saying, well, what makes me secure is my land. He says, now what makes me secure is my father. And therefore I can sell the land to enrich other people. Which is what he does with action. He uses his money to make others rich. Now that's uh, interesting because, well, <clears throat> it shows that he is no longer devoted to money. He is devoted to people. And in giving them money so that they can make it e find it easier to follow Jesus for themselves. Now, you see how in the way it's read in that last bit that I read to you, that the apostles were with great power giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And not everybody can do that. But what Barnabas did is something that is available to every child who wants to encourage. We can use our money to enrich other people and to help them to follow Jesus. Now we don't do that as a church in the sense that we don't have a, a collection in our church. We don't talk about money very much in our church. I suppose partly because we want to make it easy for people not to give. Because the last reason we want people to give is because they are under pressure to do that. But we love it that there are people in this church who understand that God is their security, God is their father, and therefore they're not saying, well, our security is going to be in our money, therefore we can't give any of that away. They are saying, our security is in God. He will look after us, and therefore we can be generous and enrich others. So they hear the gospel and follow Jesus too. And that's somewhere, somewhere, every single uh, son of God's encouragement and security can be like Barnabas in that way. Second way he helped people was that he created uh, a wonderful culture in which people were accepted. Now you see him doing that in Acts chapter 9 and verse 26 and 27. What had happened in Acts chapter 9 is that Paul had become a Christian. Paul was scary. He used to persecute the church. And so when he became a Christian, the church said, please don't come near us. That's what happens in Acts chapter 9, verse 26. And see what Barnabas does. It's on page 918, Acts chapter 9, and uh, verse 26. When Paul had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples and they were all afraid of him, for they did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord, who spoke to him, and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. And so he helps the others to accept somebody that they didn't really like. But Barnabas brought Paul in. And again, it is uh, wonderful, isn't it, 
that uh, in a church like this there may be one or two people who stand at the front and who talk but at the end of the service you will see that where people come into a church and where it's new to come into a different group of people hard to break into a new group of people but folk come in and what happens after church service you see the sons of encouragement the daughters of encouragement going to the new people because they understand that God had welcomed them and accepted them and therefore they can now bring that acceptance to others even to people who are not like them even to people who they may not have liked in the past because once we are accepted by God we can be his children accepting others the way that he does and be sons and daughters of encouragement in that way and then thirdly he does it with humility now what happens is that Barnabas is a very very good man you can read that in Acts chapter 11 verse 24 and what happens in Acts chapter 11 is a new church starts it's a new church in Antioch and the church in Jerusalem which is back I suppose you could say the book of Acts begins and where Christianity begins and there are people in Jerusalem who want to make links with the church in Antioch the new church that started and so they send Barnabas to make the link and Barnabas goes and you can see that in Acts chapter 11 um, the report of this new church came to the ears um, look at verse 22 the report of this new church came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith and a great many people were added to the Lord. So here was a man who's going to that church and here is the person who is going to be that perfect senior pastor he's a good man that is a man that other people can trust he is a man full of God which is what it means to be full of the Holy Spirit he is a man that is used by God to help other people to become Christians all that you've heard and read so what would you expect to read as the next verse so Paul settled down uh, Barnabas settled down and he became the pastor of that church and they all lived together happily forever after no the next verse says that Barnabas went and he got Paul and Paul was the better teacher and Barnabas recognized that he needed balance and he needed Paul and so Barnabas in verse 25 sent to Tarsus to look for Saul and when he had found him he brought him to Antioch and for a whole year they met with the church and taught a great many people. And you see therefore you've got Barnabas sitting down on the side, Paul doing the teaching. The great man full of the Holy Spirit, good that everyone could trust. The man with the gifts, the man with many abilities says I don't have this ability and I need Paul to fill that gap and so he 
gets uh, Barnabas to come along, uh, sorry, gets Paul to come along, and uh, he is uh, happy uh, uh, that um, someone else is promoted more than himself. And he's happy when Paul takes the leadership role in the future. Because what happens with Paul and Barnabas is they're in the church together in Antioch, but then you get to Acts chapter 13 and verse 2, and God says, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work I've called them to do. Set them apart for the mission trip. And so Barnabas is the one who comes first. He's therefore the leader. And in chapter 13 and verse 7, you see that his name comes first again. He's still the leader. And in chapter 13, verse 7, um, where are we? Uh, it talks about how um, Sergius Paulus, a man of intelligence, summoned Barnabas and Saul. But as the trip got underway and Paul started uh, 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 taking on the action, that changed. And Paul becomes the leader and he becomes. Uh, the one who uh, comes first in the leadership role. And so if you look at uh, chapter 13, verse 46, you see the names have changed. Chapter 13, verse uh, 46, and Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly. Chapter 13, verse 50, they stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas. And Paul is now the one who's coming in front. So there you are. Uh, once again, he is the person who is uh, wanting to uh, 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 put other people first. He wants other people. He's very happy for other people to be more important than him. And in that sense, he is just like his father. Well, he's certainly just like Jesus who did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself and counted others as more important than himself. And so here's the father, and he's working out his character in the son, and he does in the daughter. And it's a wonderful thing to have children like this in the church family, children of encouragement. It is a wonderful, wonderful privilege to be part of a church family where that is the case. People say that in any group of people, there are either pumps or drains. People who will pump and build up others, or people who will drain. And Barnabas was a pump. And God's children are pumps, encouraging in action, in acceptance and in humility. Barnabas was an encourager. But also, he was a listener. And this time I want you to turn past Acts, past Romans, past 1 and 2 Corinthians, until you get to Galatians, and that is on page number... Nine seven two, page nine seven three, really. And what happens in this part of the world, Galatia? 
is that Barnabas gets it badly wrong. He is misled. Now remember the Apostle Peter. He is the one who in Acts had a dream in Acts chapter 10 that he should eat anything that was put in front of him because he was just about to go and win people who were not Jewish. He was going to stay with the Roman officer Cornelius and he was going to eat whatever was given to him. There was no distinction anymore between those people who were Jewish and people who were not Jewish. God brings them together. Now Peter had learned that lesson. But then he gets to Galatia and what do you find happening in Galatia? Look at chapter 2 verse 11 and you see that uh, uh, verse 12 rather certain people have come from James before they came from James Peter was happy to eat with the Gentiles but when they came Peter drew back and separated himself fearing the circumcision party those who were Jewish and Barnabas was led astray and wherever you go in Christian circles, there's always going to be those who want to narrow the circle. Who say, well, actually, we have the secret, but they aren't as good. And Peter was drawn into that exclusive club once again. Only eat with the Jews, don't eat with the Gentiles. And Barnabas was doing the same thing. And there's Peter... Being, uh, and there's Bar uh, Paul and telling Peter and Barnabas that they've got it wrong. And he does it to their face. It's embarrassing, it's public, it's confrontational. It's got to be public because Peter's mistake was public and therefore the correction had to be public. But it's always hard, isn't it, being corrected. Paul just wants them to go back to what they already knew, that there are no little differences between people. We mustn't, in other words, put uh, a, a, a barrier in the way, particularly out of a Jewish ceremony called circumcision, and that makes a difference to how we behave. And Paul says, no, go back to what you knew at the start. And he has to correct Peter, and he has to correct Barnabas. And the wonderful thing about the correction is that it clears the mind. When someone ch challenges you about something that you've got wrong, it helps you to think through what is right. And so Peter and Barnabas cleared their minds. They understood what was now right so that when they go on in Acts chapter 15 to a big meeting in Jerusalem where everybody is talking about whether there should be a separation between these two groups, the Jewish people and the non-Jewish people, when they get to the council that discusses that whole question, Peter and Barnabas are wonderfully clear in the head because Paul has confronted them and challenged them and corrected them. Now, my friends, that I think has an implication for all of us as well, because it is hard to be corrected. 
But I hope you've never been simply patted on your back all your life. Because you will never make progress if all people do is say, well done, and flatter you. Now, it's only when we are challenged that we begin to get our minds made clear and where progress is then possible and takes place. Those who say nice things about us all the time and only say nice things about us all the time don't love us, they just love themselves and they want us to love them. That's the reason why they do it. But the people who love us will be careful to correct us, will be careful to challenge us and will help us therefore to clear our minds and to avoid the dangers of getting things wrong. I'm very grateful that uh, 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 someone from our church, in fact there are two people from our church on different occasions who took me to one side and they said, Mike, I didn't like the way you spoke to me that time. And listening to what they said to me and being challenged by what they said to me and being corrected by what they said to me helped me to clear my mind and to realize how easy it is for a pastor to turn into a bully. And that would have been a terrible path to go down. But the brothers and sisters of this church family loved me too much to let me do that. And so they came and they spoke to me on two separate occasions. And it may be that the third one is coming up soon. Uh, be on your guard and the correction will be welcome. Because it clears the mind and it helps progress. And not the falling in of a trap. So it is a wonderful thing to have uh, somebody who helps us to uh, have clearer minds by challenging us. And I wonder if 90% of the secret to making progress as a Christian is to be found in the way you accept challenges, in the way you accept correction, in the way you're willing to have your mind cleared and to go into a new direction, the way that Peter and Barnabas did. Let me stop there and take in these three lessons, uh, or these lessons into three different groups of people. First, if you're someone who is new, sorry, I shouldn't say that they went into Acts chapter 15 getting it right, having in Galatians got it wrong. Okay, let's go into... Um, what happens if you are someone who is new to Christianity? I think one of the traps that we can find, I was speaking to a person this afternoon in one of the roads that we visited, and he said that the whole thing about Christianity is you have to keep trying to be a better person. And I was having a conversation with him whether it actually works like that, whether trying to be a better person makes you a better person. What Barnabas would have said if he was part of our conversation is it's not what you do by way of resolution and making effort that makes a difference. It's getting a new father that makes a difference. Because if you get the new father who is encouragement, then you will be the son or daughter of encouragement. That's how change takes place in Christian life. It's not by going 
to the school of encouragement and learning a few tips. It's becoming the son of encouragement. Because you now have a new father and uh, God's, uh, your Barnabas' heavenly father is now your father too. So, be like uh, father, be like son. And if you want to fill in the gaps and draw in, draw, draw in George and mini George, uh, uh, I'll give you the slide later, you can doodle. But the second thing to say is, what happens if you're churchy? And I want to suggest to you that being churchy can be a problem if you want to make progress. Because largely, those who go to church are involved in the rotors and in the helping and the running of things. And it is so easy to say, but actually that is how I can encourage the church family that I'm in. Now, those are important tasks that need to be done. But there's a subtle danger. And that is that while you're ticking all those lists and doing all those things, you can say, well, okay, I'm hitting all the major targets of encouragement. Whereas, as I said earlier, 90% of the way in which you will grow and make progress is by taking challenge, by taking correction. And largely us church people who come to church are mainly aware of our goodness and we don't often like to be challenged or corrected. And we can become take offense and uh, steer away. But it's those who, I guess, are not making the big mistakes, the serious mistakes, still need the challenges of the way we think about how we get right with God, how we make progress with God. And those challenges and corrections need to keep coming so that our minds can be made clearer and clearer, so that our relationship with God will progress and go forward as well. So, Churchy, look for the challenges. They'll help you more than the checkboxes that we tend to go for in our church involvement and activity. What about if you're a Christian? What happens if there's something here for us to learn? And the answer is, after all I've said tonight, the secret is not actually to fix our eyes on Barnabas. What I've been encouraging us to do tonight is to actually fix our minds on the Father. He's just a son of encouragement. But we need to fix our eyes on the Father if we want to become more and more like Him, rather than to look at Him to become more and more like Him. And therefore, if we are struggling in the whole area of giving, then the answer comes that we look at our Father and see what security we have there so that we begin to say to ourselves, actually, what will make a difference to my life is not how much money I have. What will make a difference to my life is the security that my Father gives me and living in that security. And I will be generous as I do. And if I'm finding it hard to accept people and there are people that I don't like and I feel I should accept them but I 
I'm finding it a struggle and I can't do it very easily. And the answer is, look at the way your father accepts. And as you feast and fix your eyes on him, so you will be able to accept others too. Consider how he has accepted you, and you will go on to accept others as well. And what happens if uh, we find ourselves uh, rather um, uh, being envious of people who have greater gifts than we have? Well, it is important, isn't it, that we realize that Barnabas had his own gifts. It wasn't that he had no gifts or nothing going for him at all. But he valued other people and their contribution. And as we see how God does that, he makes himself a servant that others might be regarded as more important. And as you love the God who is like that with you, that he would even send his son to the cross so that you would come out and live with him for all of eternity. When you've got a father who will do that humbly in order that you might be treated as important, it does help us, doesn't it, to treat others in the church and their gifts as greater than ours. And especially if their gift is to challenge us and to correct us. Because they are the ones who are most likely to help us to grow and to make progress. We'll stop there, we'll pray, we'll take questions and comments after that. But as we normally do, let's take a moment to go to the Father and ask him to help us to be like this if we're his children. A minute of quiet and prayer, and then I'll pray. Prime Minister, up, sir, let me pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you that uh, who you are is what we will become. Thank you for that great encouragement. Uh, Father, we often think that uh, qualities like these mainly depend on personality type. Thank you for teaching us that qualities like these are more to do with spiritual ID. That you are like this and we will be like this. And so we pray that you will help us to grow as a church, not just in number, but in those who are more and more like our Heavenly Father. Loving the security that you give us, make us generous. Loving the way you accept us, make us welcoming. And uh, loving the way that you speak to us through each other, help us to hum be humble, to welcome challenges and corrections, to be clear-minded because of them and in the end to value the brothers and sisters that you give us more than we value ourselves. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.